the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is the um, publisher of uh, the White. He is the author of Winning Space How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked China's Race to Control Life. He's also a columnist with the Asia Times, the Washington Times, elsewhere. Brandon, welcome back. Happy George Washington's birthday and happy other birthdays as well. Lovely uh, eight year birthday party for my. Uh, for my older daughter, so, uh, so we wonderful. had a nice time tonight. Oh, that's yes. wonderful. Good. Thank you yes. for being with us on that special Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Well, it's special. over now. Okay. So now I figured I'll I'll loop into uh, Steph's show. Is and, your daughter and, going to bed as early as 6 p.m.? on No, <laughs> no. She is just uh, playing with all the gifts she got Aww. right now in the other room. Aw. Send yeah. me a picture, would you? I will. I will. Uh, that, would be, that would be uplifting. That would be uplifting. <laughs> it is. It I, is. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I knew what I wanted to ask you as my very first question today. Yes. Reading when I read this morning uh, about Joe Biden's trip to Ukraine yeah. and uh, uh, Chinese are going to Russia and tomorrow Biden is going to give a speech and tomorrow Putin is going to give a speech. Yeah. Is diplomacy over? Is there no such is, – is, is this is – this, is this notion that we could have some kind of diplomatic solution just just not possible anymore in the world we live in or with the leaders that we have to deal with right yeah. now? Yeah. Well, um, certainly seems like it's a zero-sum game or yeah. a maximalist right. game. Right. Uh, you know, I don't believe there will be a deal. Um, but there is always the chance that the purpose of Biden's trip was not to uh, pump up Zelensky, but yep. to whisper directly into his ear, it's time to stand down. Yeah, I noticed you were t- tweeting about that. Talk to us a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that could be what's at play, because even Lincoln last week, uh, going into the weekend, uh, made the comment that he was very hesitant uh, to basically condone the the planned Ukrainian offensive into Crimea, which, as we all know, is a red line, and that's why I wrote my op-ed at Asia Time, the Crimea policy. I have it in front of um, me, yes. Uh, because it, uh, it, is, it is exactly that. It's a huge mistake. Uh, this is really what the whole war has been about. Well, it's more than that, obviously, but this is a key sticking point, is the geopolitical angle, which going back a thousand years, Russian leaders, whether they were communists or czarists, and now Putin as, as well, have wanted to stretch Russia's naval power beyond its limited Arctic uh, uh, you know, icing over half the year ports. They want warm water ports. Well, now they have two of them, uh, one in Syria and one in Sevastopol in the Crimean Peninsula. Uh, and going back to 2010, there was always a fear uh, that the Ukrainian government, the independent Ukrainian government, would be co-opted by the West and convinced to basically end the 200-year lease uh, that, the Ukra- that the Russian Navy has enjoyed at Sevastopol on the Black Sea. Uh, and so if the Ukrainians are able to go into uh, Crimea, first of all, I don't think that would be a successful attack. They don't have the numbers or the capabilities anymore. But even if it were to be successful, um, the Russians are not just going to let that slide. This is a big deal to them. This would be like 
you know, us, you know, losing, I don't know, maybe the Panama Canal. It's it's um, it's three presidents yeah. away, too, ago, right? I mean, this took place right. under Russia right. took Ukraine in 14? Obama. Yeah, yeah. 2014. Yeah, and, and I think that, so what you might have is the Biden is flying to our client in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. The Chinese are flying to their client in Moscow. Mm-hmm. And it might be that the two big players, with face it, Russia's a dying power. Mm-hmm. The two remaining big players, America and China, are now going to put the screws on uh, their clients, we in Ukraine, China and Russia, to try to make a deal. Maybe. Maybe, again, because the outward appearances that were it's ramping not that. Up. Right, 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 right. And 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 I don't trust Biden. I, first of all, I don't think he's in control of anything, including his own faculty. I, I just hated watching uh, him give that speech. That was not a oh, speech from a powerful no, person. No, it was horrible. Yeah. And and so, you know, the, what, what I have been saying, likelier, is that it's probable that we are now going to have dueling press conferences, yep. uh, which are going to be akin to quasi-declarations of war. Because there is no way that Putin, now that he's fully mobilized, a year ago he wanted a deal, but now he's fully mobilized. Now his people are whipped up in a frenzy. They're talking like the mullahs in Iran. Uh, they, they're, they're not going to just walk away from this. This is an existential fight both for Putin and for his regime. And the, the Russian, uh, Vladimir Putin in particular, knows he's getting old. He doesn't have a deep bench of replacements behind him. He wants to preserve his regime that lives beyond his his natural lifespan. And what he's concerned, I think, and one of the triggers for this invasion, he did it when he did last year, is because he's looking ahead, maybe in three to five years, Putin's thinking, I'm going to be in a very weak position. I'm going to be old, maybe dying. I'm going to be trying to get a successor lined up. And the West is going to use an independent pro-Western Ukraine to launch some kind of covert attack on me the way they did Gaddafi the way they tried to do Assad, the way they did to Saddam. And I had to preserve my regime by pushing them back. And so I think that was a degree of thinking that went into Putin's calculus for invading in the first place is regime survival. Because Putin is convinced, ever since George W. Bush announced the freedom agenda, Putin is convinced that the United States, their ultimate objective is to basically wipe out all of the autocrats in the world, ending with Russia that their ultimate objective is to sweep through the Middle East, knock those guys out after they swept through Eastern Europe, and then somehow manage to overthrow the Putinist regime and replace it with a more democratic pro-Western one that will make Russia a basic vassal of the West or to divide Russia into its component parts, which our media is talking about doing openly, which only reinforces this paranoid belief in Putin and makes him less likely to seek an amicable deal and more likely to risk wider war. See, that's that 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 is really the race's edge we're walking on, isn't it? Um, and 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 what is your analysis of how safe Putin is in power in office? It's true, probably, of most histories of most countries that a war will have people rally around their leader, the leader of that right. country. I mean, I think we've seen that certainly bear out here and elsewhere. Uh, and it's it, it bears out a little differently in Europe when they lose that war. But that, you yeah. know, so that that's kind of the razor's edge Putin yeah, right. is on. But how right. susceptible. Gonna... Yeah. So how susceptible to his is he right now to public opinion in Russia? Uh, I think the Russian capacity for suffering and the Russian capacity for siding with the strong man, the Silnaya Ruka, 
Uh, I think it is great, and mm-hmm. it is still great. And I, I don't, I don't mean as in good, but great as in right, they big. have a very, very yeah. large capacity. Right. right. Uh, I don't think that this is going to happen. I think people need to stop talking about Putin being overthrown. Yeah. I think they need. To, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the, what's going on is the sanctions and the way that we have turned Russian culture into something as toxic as masculinity in the West. You know, this is we talk about Russian culture the way that leftists talk about masculinity and traditional male values uh-huh. now. So I think that the Russian leader looking around going, you know what, we're not going to ever get a fair shake from these guys. So we might as well stick with the devil we know, Vladimir Putin, because at least he's fighting to restore Russian power and greatness. If we go and overthrow him, uh, not only will we probably have a weaker you know, regime or maybe even a civil war, but the West is now going to double down then and really try to break Russia because they've made it clear in their writings and in their public statements that they're fantasizing about dividing Russia into four or five separate smaller countries, returning it to its medieval era borders and boundaries. This is a non-acceptable scenario for any Russian elite, whether it's Putin or one of his lackeys that might replace him in a coup. They're not going to let this happen. They'd rather stick with Vladimir Putin because at least he's the guy, at least he's one of them, and at least he's trying to win. And so we have our, our policies have not allowed for any off ramp in the in the minds of the Russian elite, which is why all this talk about Putin's health or Putin might get overthrown eight months ago. It looked like that might have happened, maybe. But Putin has been very good about tamping down on dissidents, particularly from the far right in Russia, which is far more organized. And by the way, if the far right were to do an overthrow of Putin, they'd be worse than Putin because they want to go in and nuke Ukraine. Uh, so there, there's going to be no, among the Russian elite, the, the Siloviki, there will be no overthrow of Putin. Putin is there to stay till he dies of natural causes, and he's going to fight to the end because he wants to reassure them that, hey, I've got your back. Good. Thank you, Brandon, for that opening. We have a lot more to talk about, and we will do so. Let me take a quick commercial break, and we'll come right back. Many of you have been hearing me talk about why refi for a while now, and if you still have questions about what it would be like to invest with them, they urge you to give them a call. They'll happily put you in touch with any number, any number of their local area investors who have uh, done quite well with them, uh, more than satisfied, happily investing with them. And they want you to think about your IRA, too. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or Joe Biden's economy or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn tax deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. Brandon Weikert and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Delighted to have uh, Brandon Weicker with us. He is the author of several books, including Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, books on China, books on Iran, coming right up, right, next month on, on Oh, Iran. yeah. Yeah, and I just got word. It looks like the second edition, paperback edition of Winning Space will be out April 17th. I fantastic, think, fantastic. With an updated introduction. That's great. Not a lot of public policy, very few public policy books get uh, second editions. That's a great tribute to you, Brandon. That's well, it great. is. Thank you. And I'm very honored and, and humbled. Humbled. I'm humbled. You, well, you've always been humble. Uh, and by the way, and by the <laughs> way, you have still the best 
bumper music Thank in you. all of radio. That's what that, makes me that, happy to hear. Yes, Thank you. Yes, People yes. come for the anytime talk. Anytime I can hear see. Clapton, yeah. anytime I can hear Clapton as an intro to me, I am immeasurably honored. Thank you, sir. Thank yes. you. I love it when our listeners uh, anticipate um, people like you coming on the show and they send me emails to me question. Too. Yeah, it's a <laughs> lot of fun. So I got one. Let me throw it your way. Yeah. Um, if my facts are correct, Obama seemed intent on helping Putin by canceling missile defense systems. George W. Bush promised to Poland and the Czech Republic. And then there was tell Vlad I'll have more flexibility after yeah. the election. And that Vlad went into and then Vlad, after that, Vlad went into Crimea. Fast forward to Biden saying something like it won't be a problem if uh, Vlad takes a little bit of the Ukraine, that was the small incursion comment he's referring to. Right Now right. Russia's a pariah. Seems to me Democrats were almost begging Vlad to do what he's done. Right, and it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's pretty amazing that Trump was supposedly the, uh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. the Russian yeah. spy. Yeah. Um, but uh, As he has the leaders, of, as he's giving uh, weapons to Ukraine, and he has the leaders of Kazakhstan surrounding him. Yeah, they're saying, yes, right. but you're the Russian stooge. Right, right, right. right. And so, uh, you know, and remember, uh, Hillary Clinton handed the reset button to Lavrov when she was Secretary of State, and it said in Russian she thought reset, but the actual word that was there was overcharge, which is, of course, what the Clinton Foundation was doing to Russia when they were giving uranium and our hypersonic missile technology to uh, the Russians in exchange for money. You would have thought someone in the State Department could speak (laughs) Russian. That's right. That's right. So anyway, no, to, to address that wonderful email, completely correct. Yes, the, the timeline is Obama came into office sounding a lot like Trump did, saying, I want to have a better relationship with Putin, whether that was ill-advised or not. Who knows? I mean, I, you know, on the one hand, you know, you're dealing with a guy like Putin. He has a certain set of priorities that he can't change because it's Russia and because it's him. Uh, but also at the same time, America does have a history, even during the Cold War, of getting along with the Russians on some degree on key issues. Uh, So, you know, Obama comes in and he's trying to do this whole reset thing. So he's trying to ratchet things down. He's removing the missile defense shield that we had just started to build under George W. Bush in Poland, which is something that was a huge mistake. Uh, You know, he's making concessions to Russia. And what did it do was the, the the implication is that it led to ultimately 2014, the takeover of Crimea. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, but I also think the man was important. Uh, Obama was not well respected by Putin. The first time Putin met him, he lectured him publicly for three and a half hours. Wow. Obama couldn't get a word in edgewise. It was humiliating. He didn't do that. Putin did. Never did that to Trump. And that's not because Trump was a you know a Russian spy. It's because as uh, the, the leading Soviet uh, Sovietologist, now retired. From DIA was a professor of mine, and in the summer of 2016, he was not necessarily a Trump guy, but he told me, he looked right at me, he said, you know the one thing, Brandon? He said, all the old Russians that I know from the Cold War and the guys who are still helping Putin out, he said, they're scared of Trump because they can't anticipate what he's going to do. Right. And that gives Trump a lot of edge. Right. And so key difference is, yeah, Trump came in talking a big game about wanting to play nice with Putin like Obama did in the beginning. But the difference is Trump was actually rendering lethal aid to Ukraine, which Obama never did. Trump apparently in 2018, what that famous conference, you know, where the, the media said that he basically dis- disparaged the intelligence community oh, yeah. and favored Putin. Well, behind the scenes, this was reported, I believe it was either in the Bob Costa book or the, the Bob Wood, uh, Woodward book. 
But basically, apparently, Trump pulled Putin aside and said, hey, look, if you do anything to Ukraine or anything to the NATO countries that I don't like, I'm going to nuke the Kremlin and call it a day. Mm -hmm. And he said that and Putin didn't know what to do. Putin didn't know if it was a joke. Putin was completely off kilter behind the scenes with, with Trump. And so my point is, is that the man makes the difference because Obama was definitely an academic at heart. And he was a pushover and he was a wallflower. Trump was a bull in a china shop. And so the two men say the same thing. We want to make a deal. And Obama actually does things to you know, remove the threat of American reprisal uh, to, to, to the Russians. And what do the Russians do is they march into Crimea. Trump comes in. He's saying the same things Obama did, but he's actually escalating in certain areas and giving the aid, and while he's even dinging NATO, Trump, he's actually dinging NATO in a strategic way, because the NATO people are realizing if we don't start paying more for our defense and actually enhancing our capabilities indigenously, the Americans are going to pull out. And you know what? Rightly so, because the Americans should not be required to pay 80% as we are mm -hmm. of the NATO budget, because mm -hmm. that's stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, skin in the game. Who has it? And why would the Americans want to sacrifice more for NATO and or a non-NATO member like Ukraine uh, than the, the European... And as they were making deals with Russia, as in the case that's of Merkel, right. right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, that's... And by the way, this whole thing with NATO, if the... And, and I, when we talked about it at the time, I didn't believe it, but I have spoken to a former Finnish um, NATO advisor who doesn't want to speak to me anymore because I wouldn't listen to him in September. But we did have an exchange recently, and based on the reporting in Cy Hirsch's article... And the, the presence of that naval unit out of Panama City up here in Florida, um, I think that we might have detonated that, that Nord Stream pipeline to try to keep the Germans on side. And I think that is going to have very long-term consequences negatively for the, the survival of NATO, especially if Putin doesn't do a deal and just rough, runs roughshod over Ukraine, as I suspect he's about to do. Wow. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, you brought up Panama City, Florida. Florida's much, yeah. Florida's much in the news today. I'd love to sh yeah. shift to some domestic politics. Can I Let's do that do when we come back yeah, on the other absolutely. side of this break? Ron DeSantis is doing a tour of Democrat-led cities uh, with huge crime problems. He's, he's taking it to them. He's not just... Uh, it sounds like he's preparing to make a big announcement, doesn't it? Uh, let me... Um, let me just go on record, if you don't already know, that I don't believe you should believe everything the Biden administration tells you. Recently, they claimed more than 500,000 new jobs were created. But what about 300 tech companies laying off more than 100,000 workers? Where are those figures reflected? You know that your personal finances are worse now than they were when Biden took office, and record inflation has lowered the value of your money. What can you do to stop that bleeding? I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold with the only company thousands of you already know. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the pains of inflation and recession. Take a positive step to guard your cash, reserves, and investments. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. Gold you can hold. Brandon and I will be right back. Okay. 
Brandon Weikert is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter, too, one of the more active Twitter feeds, uh, highly educational, at we, the Brandon. No, it really is. Uh, you, your long threads and your short quips, they're all they're all worth reading. We, the Brandon. Long threads and short short quips. That should be my, my autobiography. Yeah, your autobiography. <laughs> long threads and short quips. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, your governor, Ron DeSantis, is yeah. uh, on a tour, a bit of a tour. He went to New York today where he's given a speech on crime. And uh, Mayor Eric Adams tweeted, Welcome to New York City, Governor Ron DeSantis, a place where we don't ban books, discriminate against our LGBTQ plus neighbors, use asylum seekers as props, or let the government stand between a woman and health care. We're happy to teach you something about values while you're here. I guess he had to say something like that, but my God, not one of those words is not one of those sentences or any of that use of those words is actually true. But this notion that Governor DeSantis is about banning books and uh, discrimination has really taken hold in the media. The media can really can really push a narrative. And once the Democrats start aping it as well, or vice versa, the Democrats put it out there and the media starts aping it, it really does take hold, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it's amazing how lie travels yeah. so fast in today's society. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't ban AP African history <laughs> He banned a section of the curriculum that was highly, highly suspect. And now my state chronically has some of the worst educational levels in America. And so we have, since Jeb Bush was governor, worked consistently. And this includes with uh, uh, Christ when he was governor, who was no real great governor. But for the last three or four governors, we've really worked hard as a as a state to try to improve and enhance the education of our students. Um, this does not help that. So what DeSantis did was go through, and yeah, he used draconian measures, but because if he hadn't done that, it was already finalized, this program, it was going to be taught. So he had to stop it at the last minute, and he did. Uh, and good for him, because we don't need our young people, especially in this state, um, you know, hating their country any more than they already do. And learning worse. I mean, every one of the references yeah. in that in that section, everyone was to a Marxist right. scholar or terrorist. That's right. Every single you know, one of no them. Reference, there's no reference. And I know because, as you know, I've taught history at yeah. the high school level before. Um, there's very few references to Booker T. Washington. Uh -huh. There's fewer. There's very few references that we teach about because there are real African-American thinkers and writers going back to. Uh, the, the the Civil War sure. uh, and the Reconstruction era, people who we really should know more yes, about, who absolutely. really did contribute. Yes. Um, and, and one of them is Booker Washington. But, of course, Booker Washington would have been a conservative today if he right. were alive. Right. And so we're not – he talked about self – he's a very similar in many respects to Thomas Sowell. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't, we're not allowed to venerate and talk about people like that. Uh, instead, we have to talk about victimology. Uh, and that's what this course was going to do as it was structured. And so DeSantis is, is fighting a cultural war. I realize that's divisive, but we're not the ones who started this. No, that's right. It's only divisive you know? because we're pushing back. That's right. That's right. That's right. I, 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 there was this awful column by I forget now who. Oh, yeah, uh, Paul Krugman in the New York Times. Oh, of course. Yeah, uh, it was in the New York Times last week about saying the same thing about uh, all of uh, all of a sudden conservatives are declaring they're against education, and he had this sentence in there. About all of a sudden they uh, they they just they all of a sudden they've discovered 
that uh, what's being taught in the schools is no longer fit to be taught. Yeah, all of a sudden we did because we didn't know that you guys for the last 40 years had been entrenching neo-Marxist doctrines. And once we did find out about it, once you closed the schools and we got to see it, we realized you guys broke the faith. DeSantis is not trying to cancel black history. He's trying to cancel false and Marxist black history. history. That's right. That's right. False history, false teaching, which is what you're supposed to do. One would Uh, think it's not teaching. More governors did that. Yeah. Right. It'd be nice if more governors did that because it's not going on just here. Uh, it's going on everywhere. Yes. And it's been going on. And if we don't stop it, we are going to raise, we already have, in my, my opinion, our generation who is dumber, slower, fatter, unhealthy, and also uh, hateful, resentful yep. of the United States. And that's not going to translate to national greatness. The Chinese are going to beat us automatically then in another 15 or 20 years, which I think is what their goal is to just let the Americans self-destruct because we've raised a generation of self-loathing, you know, overweight morons. It would be nice if we didn't help them. Let me uh, take right. the quick break and come back to you with yeah. more. There's DeSantis is in the news on a lot of fronts. Let's pick up on some of that as well. Yeah. I am Seth Liebson. He is Brandon Weikert. Follow him on Twitter at we the Brandon. Check out his books, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. We'll be right back. He's one of the smartest men I know on international relations, defense policy and posture, and domestic politics as well. He is Brandon J. Weichert. He spells his last name W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, Weichert. Brandon, um, one of the things I did want to talk to you about, too, with regard to your governor, you live in Florida, is uh, the, the seemingly, seemingly, because it's hard to hard to know where, where, where the line is these days, but seemingly below-the-belt attacks uh, by the former president and Ron DeSantis. There's articles all over the place now, the inside track on the division between Trump and DeSantis. Uh, Donald Trump is now, I guess, giving uh, giving him a uh, Don, uh, Ron DeSantis a, uh, a new nickname. Um, Meatball Ron. Meatball Ron. Um, we saw the picture <laughs> he put out from when Ron DeSantis was a high school teacher. Uh, they're kind of promoting the idea that George Soros is endorsing him. Uh, how does this bode? Where does it go? Is it a shot across the bow that if Ron gets in, this is what he's going to have to put up with? Do you think he cares yeah. about that sort of thing? I, I mean, wh- what do you make of all this? Uh, I think the hesitancy, I mean, why he hasn't announced yet, I think it's specifically because he knows this is what it's going to be like, and it's going to get worse. Um, and I think his wife, Casey, is telling him maybe you should hold off. I think, as I, as you know, I've said uh, if you really are a man of destiny and your destiny is knocking now, you have no right to say no. Um, and uh, if he if he says no now, four years from now, he's going to be irrelevant. He will be irrelevant. Uh, he's not going to be a governor anymore because his, he's term limited. His term ends in 24. So it doesn't make any sense. These people who are telling him, hold off, they don't get it. This is it. 2024 is probably our country's last real election. This is it. And, um, I, you know, if he doesn't run, I don't need in 24. I don't think anybody should even want him because why? What's why? Wait, if your country needs you now just because Trump's going to be mean to you. Well, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping and the Mullahs, 
they're really nasty people too. And if you're going to be president or you're going to think you're going to be president, you better have the, 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 the gumption to stand up and run now and not wait for the right timing. Because I hate to tell you this, in this country anymore, look around. Everything's crumbling. There is no right time other than now. And now the thing with this is, uh, DeSantis, if he can get a clean shot at Trump, so it's a mano imano. I think DeSantis stands a darn good chance of winning. But you and I both know now Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, uh, Hogan, formerly governor of uh, Maryland. Uh, yeah. Maryland. Maryland yeah. All of these names are now bubbling up that are going to be running as well. Nikki Haley is already officially running. So what that means is we're going to be replicating 2016. And when Trump is in a large field, that's when he's able to cleave the herd bit by bit. And then that's how DeSantis is going to be weakened. Uh, and that's how DeSantis is not going to probably be able to do it. Um, so, you know, if Ronna McDaniel had any backbone, she would tell all the other candidates as RNC chair, the voters want either DeSantis or Trump. So they are entitled to have that race. So we're not going to waste our time and humiliate the party's brand by having the seven dwarves run alongside them who are never going to win anyway. So they should just be saying, as a party, we're only going to let the top two ranked candidates, and that's Trump and DeSantis, have the, the, the shot, have the shot at the ring, because we don't have time for these sideshows. But that's not going to happen. And so it's going to be Trump versus DeSantis versus everybody else in the Republican primary. And um, I think DeSantis would probably be a more disciplined president. But it's likely that Trump in that scenario can walk away with enough of a victory. The question will be, how split will the party be? Because it's going to be nasty. And it, how effective will Trump be in the general election going up against Sleepy Joe? Because we saw Sleepy Joe was able to, whether by hook or by crook, was able to defeat Trump. And now if it's by crook, uh, you know, then as Dan Galertner has written about an American greatness, I guess it doesn't really matter anymore. And then what are we even talking about? I still think there's a chance at some legitimate election here. Uh, and so can Trump win being damaged coming out of a very nasty primary fight? Uh, can he bring the party together uh, and uh, can he have the strength and the resources after that kind of a fight to take on a galvanized Democratic Party as led by Sleepy Joe? I don't know. Remember, Mitt Romney coming out of 2012's primary, uh, you know, he was already a bad candidate, unlike Trump, who I still think has some positives. But he already he had a lot of weaknesses because of that protracted fight. And going into Obama, going against Obama, who was ready and galvanized and disciplined and calm and collected, uh, you know, he had no chance really against Obama because of the weakening of the, the, the nasty primary fight in the RNC uh, in 2012. Something similar is likely to play out. So, you know, if DeSantis gets a clear shot, though, I think DeSantis could win. And I think he'd be a hell of a president. Oh, sorry, heck. I think he'd be a heck of a president. Um I don't know, though. I, I don't know. I think I think if it's going to be a multi multi sided civil war, I think Trump's going to probably eke out a victory and it's not going to necessarily be very pretty um, because I don't think Trump has the capacity to hire the right people. Basically, he's going to repeat on some level all the same mistakes that led to him losing in 2020. Um, if he can fix those problems, maybe he can be a good president. But I don't see it. He's so old. I don't see how somebody that age changes their way. Is DeSantis handling the attacks uh, the right way right now? So I submitted a piece to be published. I haven't heard back from the Washington Times in two weeks. I don't know if they want to do it. Um, basically, where I outline specifically the how DeSantis needs to respond 
to the Jeffrey Epstein comments that uh, Trump was making. Basically, uh, DeSantis was a high school history teacher right out of Yale. I think he did it for a year or two. He was 23. He taught seniors. They were 17 and 18. And my understanding is that toward the end of their senior year, the students would occasionally invite him to come to their parties. These were 17 and usually 18-year-olds having a party with a 23-year-old who supposedly didn't stay at the parties very long. It, it, you know, it's, it's a little weird, but at the end of the day, it's not Jeffrey Epstein-level stuff. That would have come out by now. Trump There's nothing been, about that that says right. anything close to That's even right. as weird as any of Trump's right. weirdnesses. That, so my, this is what my article that I'm trying to get the Times to publish I mean, is, don't get me wrong. Yes, I would sanction yes. any teacher who did that, but compared That's to right. what... We've right. apologized so, and defended so my, on Trump's side? Yes, Come on. Yes. And so my point is, is that DeSantis has taken the Biden approach of ignore, ignore, ignore. That works for Biden because he's not a Republican. So it's not his primary fight he's got to worry about. DeSantis, if he's going to get in, and he needs to get in now, if he's going to get in, he can't keep pretending like Trump doesn't exist. Yeah. That's not going to work. Yeah. He's got, that, what he has to do now is pivot and punch as hard as possible. What I would have done if I were running his social media team, I would, and I won't ever because they don't like me for whatever reason, uh, I would have immediately posted the picture of Trump in the 90s biting his lip, partying <laughs> with Jeffrey Epstein. How about at the Clinton's wedding? Together. I mean, there's so many that's things I mean, you can do. But, but I so mean, many. specifically about the Epstein, yes, that's the yes. thing that gets people going. Yeah. That, I mean, it's very easy to hit back against Trump. It's very easy to get under his skin. I mean, look at what already he's done. Well, just at the mere thought of DeSantis maybe running rather than ignoring it himself, which he should because he's the former president. Brandon, let me take a quick break, come back to you on the other side. I want to get the George Soros thing done, too, with you. (coughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. We have one more short segment. We'll conclude the hour with uh, Brandon Weicker. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Brandon J. Weikert has uh, been with us for the hour. W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, author of several books. Follow him on Twitter at we. The Brandon, uh, Brandon, uh, there's one name that energizes uh, our base like no other, deservedly and rightly so. He is an instrument of great damage, uh, to put it no higher, and that is George Soros. Yeah. Flying around the Internet is the notion that George Soros has endorsed Ron DeSantis. That's not true. He didn't. Not he at all. He just predicted that DeSantis could win. That's what happened. Yes. Yes, and that's, you know, the one thing is, George Soros, that's sort of his shtick, is he makes predictions. That's right. And when he, get, when he gets it right, he makes billions of dollars. <laughs> and right. when he gets it wrong, you know, no, you know, he, he doesn't. Um, and so that's the whole essence of his career in finance and now as a political kind of pundit or whatever, political investor, if you will. He marries his billions of dollars to his very liberal ideology. Um, that doesn't mean when he makes a comment about DeSantis that that, oh, oh, he must be pro-DeSantis, especially when you look at all the money over the last 30 years that Trump has made off of George Soros. They were in business together for a period of time in the early 2000s and late 90s. They, they have multiple business dealings together, uh, Trump and uh, Soros do. And yet nobody really is bringing this up except a handful of writers on the right who – you know, will only get traction on the right. It would be nice if Fox News and some of these more mainstream. I'm looking at a. Uh, I didn't know this. I'm looking at a story in the Chicago Tribune dated 04. Donald Trump has lined up 160 million dollars from billionaire George Soros go. to help with his New so, York hedge fund. And he, yeah. he, Trump got very upset during the 2016 campaign at somebody who was ripping on Soros, and he was like, "Oh, Soros is a very wealthy man." 
because, you know, Trump loves people with money regardless of whether they're <laughs> terrible people or not. Um, the one thing about Soros is he's not our friend, not a great guy, probably. I don't know him personally. Definitely not on our side. Certainly done a lot of damage here and elsewhere. However, the way that people talk about him, notably on our side, we've got to watch it because sometimes it does veer into anti-Semitic tropes um, and the sort of weird conspiracy theories uh, about him. Uh, you know, it, it, he's not a good guy. It he, he's also the least Jewish person I would know. I mean, exactly I, I right. was criticizing him for years before I even knew he was born yeah. into a Jewish family. But he will be the first right. to tell you he doesn't affiliate with the religion. That's right. He's very way. open. In, in yeah. his book, I think it said alchemy. If I've read his book. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of his books. He talks about how he's not a practicing no. Jew. He no. doesn't really think about it. No. It's really not a big deal. No. Which and also so means just to criticize him doesn't mean it's anti-Semitic either, by the way. Yeah, it's right. true. Yeah. It's true. But we need to be careful that I, we I don't get it. have people yep. jump into that. I get that, it. It demeans us. I get it. Well done. Brandon, thank you for the hour. Again, happy birthday thank to you. your daughter. And thanks for spending thank your you. time with us on such a blessed day. God bless you, sir. Yeah. Don't go away. We have a lot more coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.